Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Food Network Obsessed. I'm your host, Jamie Sire, and this is the podcast where we dish on all things Food Network with your favorite stars. Uh, Buckle up for a great episode because we have Jeff Morrow on the show, and he had me laughing the entire time. Uh, But before we get to Jeff and his fantastic interview, I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about the big game because obviously it is coming up this weekend. I don't know about you guys. I am always the kind of the go-to de facto host for any of these big sporting event get-togethers, especially given my background in sports broadcasting for most of my career, most recently at ESPN, but also just my love for game day food and pretty much anything with buffalo sauce. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. I would love to hear your feedback uh, on Instagram, or or I'm always very open to to chatting in my DMs uh, about food and, and recipe ideas and that kind of thing. But I'll tell you what is sort of what I'm sort of kicking around for my game day menu, which will be a little bit of a smaller uh, get together this year. Um, I I kind of dipped my toe into the the tortilla trend slash hack that's been going around TikTok. I was very resistant to it for a very long time. Uh, But then I decided to lean in because it is kind of fun. um, And I did actually kind of a buffalo chicken version of it. I mean, it's basically a quesadilla folded in a different way, but it's kind of fun. Um, I don't know. I enjoyed it. Check out the video that I put on Instagram. Let me know your thoughts. I also am a fan of buffalo chicken dip, and I also managed to stuff that inside of biscuits um, and tried to make it in the shape of a football. I, I think I need to work on my football forming abilities, but I think that will be on the menu. And then wings, of course. Um, I love to do them either in the oven or the air fryer. And I love the traditional buffalo sauce flavors. I also do a miso honey sriracha situation that is uh, a nice twist as well. So anyways, I would love to hear what you guys are cooking up. I'm definitely going to find out what Jeff is making for game day. Of course, he won season seven of Food Network Star and hosted the Emmy nominated series Sandwich King. He is a co-host on The Kitchen and the host of Kitchen Crash, which is a, a new, really fun show. I cannot wait to talk to him about. He's a Chicagoan and he says his favorite color is pastrami. Would you expect anything else from him? So let's get right to it. Here's Jeff Morrow. Jeff, welcome to the pod. Um, I think last time I saw you in person, uh, we were making jello shots <laughs> on the set of the kitchen. Well, thanks for uh, having me, Jamie. I'm very excited. And there, it's probably the most underrated uh, uh, buzz you can get is off. Tw- I mean, it probably takes me 12 to 13 jello shots. But once you get there, <laughs> you know, you, there's, there's, a, there's a lovely bit of shame in it, right? And I was working too, so... Yeah. On the job, drinking on the job, Jeff Morrow. Uh, You are a pro at this. You have your own podcast, Come On Over, that you co-host with your sister, Emily. Uh, What's that like working with your sister? And tell us a little bit about your podcast. She is, first of all, I'm very lucky because unlike, I don't know, most people I've worked with, she's like, you know, we share the same DNA. So we really work well off each other with the banter. But she is an immensely hard worker and a just a an aficionado at communication, almost to the point where I'm like, <laughs> stop communicating with me. We got, I'll get it to you, I promise, or whatever. But she's very, she's a great producer and she's, you know, learned, we've learned and growed throughout this pandemic when, when we started back in March and April of last year. And she's editing it. We're producing it every week. 
you know, no matter what, we're, we're churning out a podcast every week, which is pretty great. And I started, uh, you know, writing new theme songs. It started with like a new theme song every episode and then turned into new songs for each segment and, you know, stingers and, and, and theme songs for everything. And it's become this obsession uh, where I have to like write new material. So this is not like a phone in thing, right? Yeah. It, I mean, that sounds impressive. So you're doing original songs for every single episode. Yes. What I mean, like what inspired that? Just your, your love of music in general or just kind of boredom during the pandemic? I think it's totally 50 50 on that. Right. It is. You know, I'm sitting here and I got these instruments and I love to play and I play every day. So might as well teach myself how to properly record on a computer, which I did throughout this. And it's a great outlet and it's so therapeutic to write a song, even though if you're not a writer or a musician or whatever, just force yourself to kind of uh, create this output in this, put that energy somewhere and use that part of the brain you don't really access. And I don't know, it's just been so therapeutic for me. So I just keep it going. And sometimes, you know, they're winners. And a lot of times they're not. Oftentimes. <laughs> I mean, so is life, right? Uh-huh. Um, uh, well, hopefully you enjoy uh, our podcast as much as your own. It sounds like you guys are having a lot of fun with it. Uh, I want to talk about your newest show on Food Network, Kitchen Crash, which is, I guess, part fridge clean out, part neighborhood throwdown. Um, tell us what the show is all about for anybody that hasn't seen it yet. And by the way, we recommend that you do watch it because the, the finale is coming up very soon. We're very excited. Uh, I'm so sad. And like now you say the finale is, I'm like, it's over. I don't I want, know. It. I want it to last forever. <laughs> but people are loving it. First of all, you it's, it's the only show I think currently on Food Network where the contestants, the chefs, have no idea what the competition is. When I tell them on camera, that's the first they're, they're knowing of it. That's the first they hear the rules. So the, the, the fear and the excitement in their eyes is totally organic. And when I say, you know, three, two, one, go, they're gone and they don't have any, you know, then they're just kind of falling forward, right? So these chefs have no idea. I plop them in a, any block in any neighborhood in America. We shot a lot on the East Coast. We shot uh, in Texas. And, and I give them 10 minutes to ambush the neighborhood not only find a house that'll answer the door like this day and age, right? Everybody's afraid to answer the door, but also (laughs) agree to play the game, which is you have 10 minutes to fill one bin with enough ingredients to sustain you through three rounds of cooking competition, not in the house, not in a studio, but on a street, the street we're on right now in a makeshift kitchen that like we in the culinary team just build from scratch with prep tables and microwaves and grills and it's three rounds. The chef wins five grand if they win, obviously. And the family wins five grand. So the family is invested in it. The kids are invested. The kids think they're going to, you know, if their chef wins, they're going to get a new pool or a swing set or a trampoline <laughs> in the back. And God forbid they get they get eliminated. You know, not only is the chef upset and the parents are upset. And that's been the hardest part about this show is like, I we need like a set social worker. Because these kids are like crying and really, really mad at me after I send them home, you know, they're like, that's the bad man. And they're crying. It's good. It makes good TV and it's so much fun. And we're kind of throwing wrenches into the gameplay the whole time. Yeah, no, it's, it's very, very fun. So, so wait, so the homeowners or, you know, the people that answer the doors, they, they really have no idea what's going on like ahead of time. Like they're not like curious when they see all these trucks pulling up, like they, they, they're literally opening the door and finding out about the game for the first time. It's the number one question I get from fans and the public is 
Come on, they know what's going on. Yes, of course they know there's a television crew filming something on their <laughs> block in their neighborhood, but they do not know it's Food Network, and they certainly don't know the gameplay or that it's a food show. We don't want them shopping for any ingredients ahead of time. That's If, if you walk into a, someone who just came from the grocery store knowing that if I can win five grand and have a well-stocked fridge and pantry more than usual, we, 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 it increases our odds of winning. We don't want that. We want like leftovers, frozen chicken, right? And, you know, questionably out of date ingredients, right? So just, it just (laughs) makes it fun and more challenging. So these guys don't know. Now people are like, okay, Jeff, they answer the door. A lot of them are dressed nice. They got makeup on the hair. You know, the guys put the pomade in the hair. The kids are all wearing their little dresses. That's fine because they know they have a chance of being filmed that day. And that kind of gives them a little preparedness, but not enough so for them to go shopping and kind of cheat. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that the concept is brilliant. I I think it's so fun. It's unpredictable. Uh, When you first heard of this idea for the show from the network, I mean, what was your thought where you're like, yes, I'm all in on this? Of course. They're like, hey, we want you to host a primetime game show, Jeff. What do you think? I'm like, nah, let me sleep on it. Um, No, I was so (laughs) excited because I've always wanted to have my own, you know, game show host. Uh, I, I loved the organic re- reality of this concept, right? I mean, I'm, I still live in the neighborhood I grew up in, a couple blocks down from my parents, you know, where my parents grew up, you know? So I, I'm immersed in the neighborhood and I feel like even though I'm, you know, going to shoot on the East Coast and going here and there and flying and the television guy, I'm still embedded in the neighborhood and I pride myself in that. And this is kind of a block party meets chopped meets, you know, a, a, a food street brawl. And it was just perfect for me to kind of bounce <laughs> off all the, because I got to interact with the guest judges who are great. We had Marcus, we have Leah Cohen, um, Nilu Matama, like such great, smart people. So we, I get to interact with them. I get to interact with the families, the chefs. And there's just so much room for play. You know, it's like a big sandbox, this block, right? I'm foot racing children or on tire swings out in the front trees. Or, you know, I, the only thing I didn't do was get on a trampoline. I won't do that. Um, I, I, I think that's smart because... Um, Fun fact, my nose has been broken twice, and the first time was on a trampoline. So Get out of here. Uh, I think that that, yeah, I think that that's Usually you smart. break an ankle or, or a leg or something on a trampoline. How, how did you break your nose? Did you collide with another child? Or were you um, an that's adult? a great question. Um, it was, and in fact, the, the family that was, you know, ho- that the, I was at, the, the house I was at, they had very strict rules so that no one would get hurt. Um, no, this was self-inflicted. I was like, hey, everyone. It was like end of the eighth grade party. Um, and I'm like, I'm going to do a flip. And my knees, my actual own knees over rotated and smacked into my nose. You need your own face and, I had and to broke to- your nose. Yeah. Yeah, I broke my own nose. I had to go to the hospital. I came back to the party though, so. Um, oh, you did. So what I was. A a, I was a trooper. Yeah. Now that's yeah, that's some know. that's some Van Dam stuff right there. That's some Steven Seagal <laughs> stuff. Like you break your own nose with a with a knee to the face, and then you go, you get stitched up, and you go back in. Put me back in, coach. I'm ready. Right back to the trampoline. Yeah. I want you wanted your party bag, right? You wanted that. Uh, you want the, the dum dums I- and stickers. Yeah, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, um, you know, I had a crush that was there, so I, I had to go back and show him that I was okay. But anyways, um, I feel I digress. Um, How'd that work basically, out? <laughs> uh, I it didn't. Three kids didn't. later. Uh, <laughs> um, no, let's go back. I, this is so fun. I think this is such a cool concept. Speaking of which, I mean, you do have all these twists and turns that, that you kind of throw at these chefs. Uh, tell me about the the five inch tall burger. 
uh, a very tall order, pun intended. Um, <laughs> how do you guys come up with, you know, things like that or or any of the other twists that, that you throw out these people? I mean, you would think it's like there's a team of producers in a, t- you know, a, a broadcast truck, like monkeys on a keyboard, right? <laughs> Just coming up with all these ideas. But we kind of came up with a lot of them on the fly because it's all depending on what's in their bins. It could be anything. We don't know ahead of time because there's zero shared pantry. We don't have, like Chop, you know, you got Everything, your pastas, your breads, your cheeses, everything in the, like, there's nothing here except for what they pull from the people's houses. Ah. So we're like, oh my God, what are we going to do with this one? So that was my idea, obviously. Big dummy. Obviously. Like, oh, five inches. And then I don't realize, <laughs> like, when it's time again for me to, you know, judge and try and taste these dishes, I'm like, I can't even bite these things. And I had the measuring and, and they're all like, half of them are falling. And it was, it actually was a lot of fun because it was, you know, it was dramatic. It was made for dramatic, uh, a dramatic uh, composition on television was seeing these five inch high stuffed sandwiches. Yeah, you got it has to be, uh, you know, Instagram worthy for yeah, sure. That's what um, the kids want. You know, Jamie, it's hard to keep <laughs> up, man. It is. It is. Uh, I, I also feel this this show is kind of the perfect answer to there's nothing for dinner. I don't have anything in my fridge. I don't have anything in my pantry. Uh, what is your advice for throwing together a meal when you're feeling uninspired or maybe running low on groceries? You know what? I This is what I do. I'm like, man, what do I have a taste for? And then I like Google it and I'll see, oh, I, a pad thai. Where do I have the ingredients? Do I have four out of the seven ingredients? Can I improvise? Can I use, you know, two sauces instead of, I don't have fresh garlic. I don't have a shallot. I don't have, you know, I don't have the produce I need. How do I kind of manipulate the flavors? It really is, you don't need as much as you think. And there's so many complicated recipes out there that I think people get trapped. You're like, no, I got to go to the store. I got to do an Instacart. I got to wait two and a half hours. It's not going to be here till 730. I can't start dinner till at least eight because I have to unplack. You know, no, just go in the, grab a couple things. And, and, and that's the best part about Kitchen Crash. A lot of people sit there and they watch the show and they're like, what if someone knocked on my door right now? Do I even stand a chance at winning? Because I haven't gone shopping in three days. I got some embarrassing leftover clamshells of, you know, half-eaten egg rolls or, you know, I don't know, cold pizza from two (laughs) days ago with chunks of, you know, coagulated sausage. There's always something, you know, and and, and maybe it does cheat you. You know, I freeze more stuff. Because I feel like a lot of the proteins people use on the show, we had a lot of very quickly, you know, thawed frozen chicken. I'll put it that way. (laughs) Uh, Sounds sounds very food safe. Uh, Well, I'm going to turn that question back on you. If a contestant from Kitchen Crash knocked on your door, what is the weirdest thing that they would find in your fridge? Ooh, what do we have? Right now we have some Pad C U minus the... Mm. That my wife made last night was so good with broccolini. So garlic, simple, but we didn't, Mm -hmm. we're we're making, it's, we always do two like big batches. If it's something that holds well, like you'll find well preserved leftovers that are like a day old from last night. And then we'll make the noodles again tonight and mix it all together a la minute, if you will. So that's not weird, but it's like, you'll come across like this big container of just chicken and broccolini, very well seasoned, which we really didn't get a lot of repurposed leftovers. I was hoping we'd get more. What we did get a lot of was homemade ingredients, homemade salsas, uh, homemade oh, pestos, fun. stuff they got like imported from the old country, their favorite spice or their Indian spices from the store that's in a mason jar that's obviously not mass produced. In the chefs that use that 
in in paid homage to that you know cultural you know connection always did really really well i feel like so i, I mean in my house what you're gonna you open my fridge and you'll find four jars of my own jardinera that's probably it <laughs> Uh, I mean, I think that 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 could be a very helpful ingredient on on Mm -hmm. Kitchen Crash. Uh, Obviously, you you burst onto the scene when you won season seven of Food Network Star. What, in your opinion, is the secret to success on any food competition show, whether it's Kitchen Crash or Food Network Star? I think a lot of people would agree with me. Like, cook what you know. You know, you, you obviously have to, you know, grab from that bag of tricks and repurpose them and make them new and fresh and fun depending on whatever the challenge is. Uh, but just cook what you like, cook what you like to eat. And I think I did that in the Sandwich King uh, point of view, obviously propelled me through that because I was a student of sandwiches my whole life. So I was like, this is what I make better than what I think most people. And this is what I know. So everything I'm going to make for you guys is going to be a sandwich. And I thought that was enough to, you know, really give me the edge. Um, but it's very nerve wracking. And now, Jamie, now you brought this up, but I haven't won crap since Food Network Star <laughs> season 11. I've done you every got- competition, every all star chopped. I'm 0 for 5 on chopped. C- c- okay. Cutthroat Kitchen, oh, uh, uh, guys, grocery games, big fat zero on that. Um, <laughs> all these things I've competed on, I've, I've, I've lost. It just, and, and I've, I've, I think I've hung up that, that head. I think I'm done competing. I think. Hey, you, you, you only need one win in, in this uh, in this That's scenario, right. and you, you got one. the most important one. You're damn uh, right. Is, was there anything, though, about, about that show and how it works that surprised you? Um, you know, being that this is kind of your first foray into the Food Network space. Uh, how brutal it was, and I would never really? repeat it. I, oh, I was, not a lot of people know this. Listen, I would do it all over again, right? 100% to get the job. It was a means to an end. It, I, I auditioned four times before I finally made it on. It was my goal. I orchestrated my life to that point to be, uh, you know, not only going to culinary school, working in restaurants, working in delis my whole life, but also always performing, doing everything I could to be on stage, in front of the camera, doing stand-up, everything to kind of combine these two worlds to give me enough, you know, just substance to be a Food Network talent. But then you get there, and then you're away. I mean, my son was two at the time. He's now 12. This was 10 mm-hmm. years ago. This was like in the heyday of reality competitions where, I mean, no phones, no books, no music. You have zero distractions or entertainment, and all you have is the competition and then living in this house with 13, 14 other people uh, you know, fighting for the job, and it was exhausting. I mean, they'd wake you up at 4 in the morning, and then there would be only warm water half the time, and then they'd film you brushing your teeth in the morning and before bed. And it was like you were constantly, like, waiting or cooking or stressing about what the competition was or standing there like a chooch waiting for Bobby Giada uh, to, you know, either send you home or move you forward. It was constantly stressful. I was constantly homesick. I couldn't wait to get home. And when I went home, I, you know, I knew I was in the, you know, top two at that point. And we went back and filmed the finale and I was, I won. And it was, you go back to life too, normally, like you can't just stop what you're doing. You have to literally go back to your job or whatever and pretend like you were just, you know, I went back to my job. I was a private chef. I was large corporation corporation. It's cooking for like 300 people. I went back. People thought I was, I went to rehab or was in jail. 
because I didn't. Nobody knew where I went for <laughs> two and a half months, and I couldn't tell them. But I needed to work, you know. But I, I it was two months of working this menial job, kind. I loved it, but it was you know knowing that not only did I win Food Network Star, but I already shot my first season of Sandwich King. So I was like, I dare you, I dare somebody to yell at me or tell me my food. I'm gonna walk right out of here because I got you know I already won the show, but. Nobody knew that. <laughs> well, I think it's a great testament to just, you know, your your attitude and the way you kind of approach life and 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 kind of sticking with it, obviously, through the the four auditions. And then it obviously paid off. And as you mentioned, you are the sandwich king um, on the network and elsewhere. Um, for those who don't stray beyond the PB&J, how, how can someone elevate their sandwich game? I think it's just, you know, it doesn't need to be 10 ingredients. Just if... Just good bread, right? Good insides and show some restraint. I think it's proper ratios and showing a little restraint, right? You don't need, you know, it's, you know, big giant deli stack of pastrami. I love that and all, but it's just not, right? You can't eat it. So I think it all starts with the bread. And I think that's what people neglect. They just throw the bread on there or they throw it in the toaster, right? And it gets just brittle and it scratches the roof of your mouth. I am all about treating bread, even if it's a couple days old, a little butter, little oil, griddle it, right? Give it a little golden brown crunch. Give it some texture, reinvigorate it. I think that's where it, your your teeth and your tongue and your mouth start with the bread. And if it's, you know, it could be the detriment of any, you can, you can have Wagyu beef in the middle. And if you have, you know, mediocre bread, it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter that you splurge for the premium insides. It's going to be set up for disaster. So, you know, pay attention to the bread first and foremost. Start with the bread. Uh, well, Super Bowl is coming up this weekend, and you and I participated in a fun little game day recipe demo last week with Eddie Jackson. Um, well, you guys did the recipes. I just like hung out and asked questions. Um, but you made your Burger Bash winning patty melt. So I'm curious if that's on the menu Sunday or something else or both. Uh, what what are you guys eating for Super Bowl Sunday? I haven't made wings in a while, and I think what I'm going to do is there's a there's a great recipe I'll do where you coat them in a little salt little baking soda mm-hmm. on a wire rack sheet and you're talking yep. the flats in the drum mats and you dry them out overnight and then you just bake them. Yes. And they are <laughs> so like the skin is, is so crispy and brittle like you would deep fry it, but without the mess, without the oil, without having to drain responsibly the oil and toss it at the end. It's such a pain in the butt frying from home. I try to avoid it at all costs and this is great. And then you get the wings I'll probably do two dozen. My wife will have one. My son will have three, and I will eat. What's the math there, Jamie? What are we at now? I don't know. I'll uh, have 39 that's, uh, wings. I think I 20. Think 30, 20 left. All right. Well, that's your quick math. I have a different number. It's 39 <laughs> wings, but I'll do a, you know, just a, a classic buffalo with the butter, and then I'll do like a honey barbecue, and then I'll do a dry. I'll do three ways, and I'll just sit there, and I'll gnaw at wings for three quarters, you know, and then go to bed super, super thirsty. <laughs> All of the sodium. Uh, no, that sounds perfect. I love that you said that in the oven because that's I like to do that that way to dry them out in the, the fridge. It really it really works perfectly. Um, and you're right. No mess. And you can do all the different sauces. And yeah, it's it's definitely the the winning combo. If you're talking about wings, uh, we touched on this question a little bit during the event, but I do want to revisit here um, just so everybody can hear. Uh, this is something my boyfriend, Justin, and I fight about a lot. Not fight. We just like have uh, disagreements we're all in about. Paradise, I guess. Jamie. It's all right. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> all right, it's how you uh, work. So I, I'm gonna... Got to communicate. Jamie. Go ahead. Sorry. 
I'm going to ask the sandwich king himself because I feel like this is a question that you can settle once and for all. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Oh, my heavens. So is a hot dog a sandwich? This is the number one question I get. I say yes, right? It's something on something. It's I, I, I always look at the sandwich as like, you know, the, the, the animal kingdom classification. It's under the kingdom of sandwiches in the phylum long bun, right? Which... Uh, a host, <laughs> uh, a myriad of other long bun based sandwiches like Italian uh, sausage rolls or a uh, Polish sausage or kielbasa. Are those not sandwiches? Yes. You know, people just people get very emotional about this, Jamie. And I don't know why. You know what I do? Yeah, have one, I don't. Yeah. Right. I mean, what do you think? Well, here's the thing. I I always say it's not, but I have zero good reason to back that up. I just say it's not. And then that gets Justin very annoyed because he's like, he has all the reasons that you just mentioned. Um, and then he'll proceed to ask me if other if I think other things are sandwiches that are similar to a hot dog. And I say yes. And then he's like, so why is it a hot dog? I'm like, it's just not. But I, I don't feel super passionate about it, I guess. I'm not going to get into like real big fights with people about it. And if, if you think it's a sandwich, I... You're probably right, but I'm just gonna keep keep going on with this path that I've I've carved out for myself, saying that it's not. Can we all just get along? I mean, at the end of the day, yes, please. This is, is this is like the number, still the number one hot button issue in the country. Um, <laughs> and, 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 you know, can I answer this question with a poem, an original poem that's going to be in my cookbook? Yes, out please. April thirteenth, yes. also titled "Come On Over." Which is, Jamie, okay. I'm so excited. According to my mom, who's read 30% of the manuscript, funniest cookbook of all time. So my mom doesn't lie. <laughs> all right. And being a, a, a lifelong Chicagoan, obviously, we're very passionate about our hot dog culture sure. here. So I feel like I'm the man for the job. And here is my answer to your question. Is a hot dog a sandwich? An original poem by Jeff Morrow. Are you a sandwich? Sure, why not? Or better yet, maybe so. But you're in between some bread, and I can eat you on the go. Topped with onions, peppers, relish, and very generous schmears of muddled ballpark mustard and a side of six light beers. Served on buns steamed <laughs> into pillowy clouds of wheat. Your natural intestinal casing snapping between my teeth. When you're served wrapped in paper, with piles of skin on fries, perfection is achieved. Each new bite a tremendous surprise. But are you a sandwich? Why must we choose? Who gives a flying frank? To me, you're not even food. You're as emblematic as Betsy's fine flag, as Americana as peanuts in a bag, while watching baseballs fly deep, so deep out of bounds in fighter jets sonic boom above sold-out Super Bowl crowds. So is a hot dog a sandwich? It's not my place to say. In fact, it's no one's natural-born right to try to make that claim. The discussion must be over, sandwich or not, for a hot dog is perfection. And that, my friends, is all we got. I, I need that. We need like the applause, like sound effects. But this is me clapping. Uh, that was fantastic. And if anything was going to, you know, sway my decision, I think a, a poem about whether or not a hot dog is a sandwich yep. definitely yep. has me um, reconsidering my my uh, my opinion. And I, I I think you're basically now the Dr. Seuss of sandwiches. There so there's that it. as well. I'll take it. Uh, well, obviously, you got your start on Food Network with sandwiches, but these days uh, 
you're on the kitchen. You've been the co-host all how many 27 seasons are we up to now? I think um, so. you, and you do so much more. Where 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 do you get the recipe inspiration to come up with so many new dishes and recipes on that show? You know what? I'm like everybody else, right? I'm I'm online, I'm on Instagram, I'm cooking. So those three things, right? Just recipe searching, uh having going to the grocery store and being like, oh my God, look at those short ribs, look so good. Keep this in mind, and I make notes on my phone, on my notes, I'd be like, you know, something style short ribs, right? So a, a low braise and then crisp up under the broiler and we'll turn that into a great dish and I'll sell it to the producers when they're like, we need a beefy dish. So it's a lot of communication with the production being like, these are the, you know, this is what this episode's theme, theme is. What do you got for us? I was like, oh, I got all these ideas or I saw this giant you know, pork cutlet on Instagram and I want to emulate it and put my own spin on it. Or, you know, my wife made a wonderful Patsy. Ooh, I want to do that, but simplify it even more. And instead of egg noodle, you know, instead of rice noodles, we'll use ramen noodles. I don't, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's constantly drawing from all the information out there. I mean, what did people like, can you imagine like 20 years ago, people go to like the library, right? And like, Look out, get, take out or the bookstore, <laughs> God forbid, and, and buy a cookbook, right, for inspiration. But we have so much just at our fingertips. It's it's really, we're so lucky. And I think that's why food is just growing and growing and getting more and more interesting every day. Yeah, and, I, and I've seen it in action personally, but I, I feel like you and all of your co-hosts on the show, you guys seem to just really enjoy being around each other you're it seems like you're friends in real life as well and i know you've you've been quoted as saying that gz is one of your your best friends and mentors what have you learned from the rest of the cast on the show uh you know so much you can draw from everybody's kind of disciplines right you know you got sunny who's you know an immense home cook who you know takes just make us has has an uncanny ability to make everything ooey and gooey in craveable with minimal ingredients you know katie is clean and she teaches you what the hell vitamin k is in it's in everything and whereas there's riboflavins but her food is like i've i've made we've my wife has made a lot of katie's recipes because they're very in sync right from a health standpoint and just which is a little Mm -hmm. bit of naughtiness to it always uh and now with alex just being able to watch her cook uh, has been such a joy, especially with us being back in the studio now in person. Uh, and it's it's just, I feel lucky. You know, I know the viewer learned something, but I feel lucky being there and learning every day from these people. And, you know, nobody knows everything. I certainly don't. And I am always willing to just get educated. And, and my whole, you know, all my co-hosts educate me on a daily basis. So it's just fun. And we have laughs, you know, it's just so much fun. I love it. And not just with the the people in front of the camera, um, rumor has it, you and some of the crew members actually have a band. Is, oh, yeah. is that true? And, and what do you guys play? Oh, oh, we play everything. We do covers. We write songs. Uh, I have my own little jam room, uh, which I've kind of commandeered over the years, which was like a storage room, which I slowly just kept putting instruments in. So I play with a lot of the sound guys <laughs> and some of the camera guys come play, you know, a little bit of drums, cajones and bongos and stuff like that. And the main, uh, one of the main sound guys, like the guy who mics us is a very, very talented, well-known musician. And he's the best musician I've ever played with. And he happens to be on set since day one. So he's like, hey, you play? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I'll bring in a guitar. I got one in the car. And then the next, and then the next run, I'm like, 
I brought my guitar. And then the next, you know, then the next run, it's like, I ordered an electric guitar off Amazon and an amp. And next thing you know, we have like keyboards and drums and everything. But, you know, we have our own room. And for me, it's been, I'm not doing it to perform to anybody. It's all for us. Uh, but for me, in between takes, when you look at our schedule, which is two shows a day, 12 acts, six acts per show, there's downtime in between when they're resetting. And instead of sitting there and getting aggravated, answering emails or looking at Instagram and swiping up and doing all this and just kind of being, uh, uh, you know, numbing my mind, I'm keeping my mind and brain working fresh. So I feel like when it's time to be like Jeff to set and I go to set, I'm hot. You know what I mean? I'm coming in hot. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps me, it propels me through the day. And, and that's, you know, music is such a gift to me that way, you know. I love it. That was my sport my whole life. You know, I never played sports. I always did theater and acting and comedy. And, you know, I was just always a class clown. But not, unlike most class clowns, yes, I was probably a little, uh, uh, you know, disruptive at times. But I always knew how to, like, make the teacher laugh just a little bit to keep them on the good side <laughs> that's important. while making the kids laugh without being destructive or mean. And I think that's like the goal, right? Because I was always competing with like the mean class clowns that were just kind of mean and make fun of people for a, you know, for a laugh. I was never like that. I was like, I always loved the, the comedy and the intricacies of it, how to try to make people laugh under in those parameters. So, I mean, it was just constant. So I was, I was, very excited when I got to do this for a living. Get paid to be a class clown. <laughs> uh, I mean, speaking of which, is there a comedian like living or dead that you would love to cook with? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, Sebastian Maniscalco. Mm. Uh, if you're familiar, he actually wrote the foreword to my cookbook. Oh, uh, you fun. know, we, 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 we've hung out a co- you know, a couple times, uh, but we have not cooked together. And he's just so funny and physical and just a, yeah, I mean, he's he's transcended being just an Italian-American comic from Chicago. Now he's like worldwide. He's hosting award shows. So I, I would love to, you know, spend a little more time with him and, and cook for him. Show him a couple of things, obviously. Show him a couple of things. I, I do feel like there's a lot of, improv, you know, like a, a lot of ways to improvise in the kitchen, getting creative. And, and we see that in, in your show, Kitchen Crash, which we talked about. Do you think that that is maybe one of the reasons why you do love doing what you do being on TV, but also being able to kind of riff a little bit in the kitchen. Yeah, I love it. I, that's why it's like the, the kitchen to me is literally being paid to be a class clown legitimately without being sent to the principal's office or getting a demerit. <laughs> right. Cause I just love sitting there. Like my favorite part about these formats, especially kitchen crash now is it just opens the door for improvis- improvisation, which I'm a student of the Groundlings in LA when I was out there four years, you know, second city from third grade to high school uh, and then beyond. So I love uh, improvisational comedy. So I've always kept those muscles kind of tuned up. And so I love to sit there and like letting people go and then finding my moment and just hitting them with a zinger. Listen, maybe 60%, 70% ends up on the cutting room floor, but that's the magic of television and editing. You know, it, they make me look great, but it's just fun and I, I I just and I love to do that in combination of cooking and teaching people you know just the fundamentals you know of the culinary arts and you know to be able to do both in both those formats is a blessing yeah and, and you're a busy guy because you also like you said earlier you have a cookbook coming out and then you have a new 
uh, brand, Moro Provisions, uh, delivering these curated boxes to people's homes. Uh, before we let you go, maybe tell us a little bit about that and what what you have in the works for Moro Provisions customers coming up. Well, we 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 really, you know, we did all our boxes. We just did the Saint Valen Primes Day box with a custom twenty four ounce prime heart shaped New York strip steak. Comes with two eight ounce prime fillets as well. A bottle of our uh, hot craft jardinera and a code for a exclusive demo of yours truly teaching you how to make the steak. Uh, it's so fun. I edited it myself. I shot it myself. I don't know. You know. I just I just keep piling things on. Um, but we have uh, that that's that's selling like gangbusters along with our jardinera. Which if you guys don't know what hot jardinera is, it's a Chicago staple. It's fermented pickled oil packed peppers and vegetables. And ours is so colorful, so glorious. People are going through a jar a week of it. And I'm we go through a jar a week of it. And I grew up eating it. It's the best I've ever had. It comes in hot, medium, and mild. And it's only 15 to 20 calories a spoonful. And, you know, so you can load it up. I mean, that's so a, no guilt. No <laughs> guilt. And it's, I don't know, It's it's it goes good on eggs, pizza, pasta, sandwiches, everything. We put it on everything. And that sound like gangbusters. I have my black powder rub coming out and my barbecue chip dust coming out, which is like literally licking your fingers after eating the bottom shards and crumbles in your favorite bag of barbecue chips. So I've kind of deconstructed that. Then a cheesesteak kit coming out, but I'm just proud of it. I mean, it's like me my my one employee Lisa, who's my sous chef, my recipe tester, my culinary right hand, who were just running this in its grassroots. It's with all family-run businesses that are co-packer co-packers. The, the where we pack the meat is in the neighborhood I grew up in, two blocks down from the family of butchers that grew up on the same street as my mom and my grandparents. So it's like I started this brand with. Not, I'm, it's not just about like selling things, right? You know, it's about providing the world the food I grew up on that I'm passionate about with a brand with my name on it. You know, so this is not like some of the other things I've done in the past. This is like, so it's, it's exhausting, right? You know, I'd love to have a, a team of 12 people, but that we're not there yet. I just want to organically grow it. And that's what we're doing. And, and the product shows it's all really, really good meat, great products, great Chardonnay. Yeah, it's a. It sounds like a passion project uh, in the truest sense. So it sounds awesome. Uh, I could go on forever just <laughs> hearing you tell stories and everything, but we are running short on time. Um, uh, what would be on the on the menu for your perfect food day? So breakfast, lunch, dinner, like dessert. This. You can time travel, spend money, Ooh. whatever you want. There's no rules. Um, maybe there'll be some of your moral provisions in there, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just leave. I'll open that up to you, and you tell us your perfect food day. All right, I'm going to start breakfast with uh, corned beef hash, extra crispy, two eggs, sunny side up, um, maybe a, you know, a short stack of pancakes on the side and some biscuits and gravy. Just a light start to the day. Just a really light, yeah, yeah crispy, really kicking crisp, it off Sorry, healthy. crispy bacon and patties, sausage <laughs> patties. And then we'll go to lunch, which I would definitely get from Langer's in Los Angeles, a hand-cut pastrami on rye with a schmear mm. of mustard uh, and some... Uh, extra crispy fries and a uh, Diet Coke, right? And some room temperature ketchup for the fries only. Of course, not for the sandwich. I'm not an animal, Jamie. And then for dinner, I'm going to (laughs) have probably some good Chicago-style thin crust pizza, tavern cut, sausage, half sausage, half pepperoni. I'm going to eat that with some 
nice wings, sauce on the side, some ranch, maybe even a nice like chopped okay. iceberg salad, uh, and then a mm. bacon double cheeseburger. Okay. And then right. for, for, for dessert. Crazy. Yep. <laughs> for dessert, because I'm on dessert now. I can do this, right? I'm going to have some warm, like my wife makes these uh, uh, chocolate sea salt, big chocolate chip cookies. Warm, you know, just warm. Just a cookie, warm, slightly cooled. Boom, eat that. Maybe with some ice cream. Maybe mm. not with a side because you get thirsty eating cookies, right, Jamie? So I'm going to have a chocolate a chocolate cake shake uh, from Portillo's, which is, uh, which is a chocolate, okay. which is a shake, a vanilla shake, Jamie, with a whole piece of very, very fudgy chocolate cake blended in it. Because, you know, the hardest oh, part wow. about eating cake is chewing it. So now you can slurp it because I'll be tired. <laughs> so there you go. And I'll, I'll have severe gout at the end of the day, too. So <laughs> I don't think uh, that that's part of the rules. Like there's, you know, you, you can eat what you want with no uh, repercussions. So Obviously. I think that sounds like a, a fantastic food day. Very, very much a uh, Jeff Morrow food day. So uh, now I'm hungry and I feel like I say that after every interview, but I, I am. I'm truly going to go see what I can find in my in my fridge uh, and do my own kitchen crash. <laughs> well, Jamie, before you go, I did write you guys. I, I, I wrote you a song for Food Network Obsessed. Oh! So I was so honored to be Yay. on this. Uh, and I just turned it out, okay? It's a song I titled Food Network okay, Obsessed. Okay, I'm so excited. And whether you like it or not, I'm sorry if you don't because I think it's pretty mediocre. <laughs> Hold on. One, two, three, four. Bobby Gagliano. All Elton Everton and Got Katie, Sunny, Jeezy, Carla, Tyler, Anna, all the fame Scotty, Mark, Ted, and Amanda, Valerie, Trisha, Molly, and Doug Baby, even that silly clown, oh, Jeff Morrow is my License that from you? We'll, we'll yeah, I'll give it that to you. That's on the top that's of our on the house. That's on the house. Um, yeah, that's so, on the house. That's now, amazing. Now I was, <laughs> so I was sitting there. I was like, oh my god. I was like, okay, I got, I got forty-two minutes. I go, can I bang out a song for Food Network? I was like, I want to make it special. So I, I, I did that song in, in less than forty minutes for you. Uh, amazing. So I'm, I'm going to tune it up a little bit, but I I, 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 I want to gift it to you because I'm just I'm honored to be on the podcast. And congratulations to you on being the host of this. This is awesome. Oh, my gosh. I, thank you so much. It's been so much fun um, just, you know, drawing on all of my my skills and experience throughout the years. But most of all, my favorite part is is hearing the stories and getting to connect with people like you. So thank you. And bonus amazing uh, music uh, about our podcast. Thank you so much again. This is awesome. You're welcome, Jamie. Thanks for having me on.
Uh, wow. Well, I think uh, Jeff has officially set the bar very high for all f- future guests. Uh, he brought to the table an original poem and also uh, an original song. And he sounded great uh, on top of all that and, and had me laughing, telling great stories as always. So, um, yeah, everybody else is on notice. <laughs> um, also, if you're needing a little meal inspiration or just looking for your next favorite show, you can tune in to the Kitchen Crash Finale on February 10th at 10, 9 Central on Food Network. And you can then binge the rest of the show on Discovery Plus starting February 11th. Be sure you're subscribed to the podcast. You don't miss out on any of the Food Network fun. And as always, be sure to give us a rating and review and tell your friends. That's it for this episode of Food Network Obsessed. See you next Friday. It was-